are listening to the Grassroots Sermon Podcast. For more information about who we are or how you can become involved, please visit us at grassrootswv.com. I am going to invite you to take your Bibles, go to Genesis chapter 1. I bet you've never heard me say that before. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis. All right. Um, Just to get us started, and uh, I hope at home um, the video played well for you there. Uh, Just to get us started, I want to let you know, it's going to shock you, a little bit of a movie reference. But I remember watching a movie one time, and I remember watching, there was a little boy and uh, kind of a scrawny little kid that didn't have many friends at school and uh, actually didn't have any friends at school. And I remember, um, yeah, it, it, you've seen those movies. It's sad to see that kind of this loner kid sits off to himself, you know, and it's just kind of hard to watch. But I remember one scene, um, this desire to just reach through the television uh, and affect the situation. I'm glad it was just acting, um, but we know that this is reality as well. But this little boy, all he was doing was walking home. That's all he was doing was walking home. He's just trying to get home. And there's these three um, bigger, older boys uh, that the whole way home are bullying him. They are uh, pushing him and throwing things at him. And the, the, the boy is doing nothing but trying to get back to his house. And I remember just wanting to reach through the screen and affect the situation. Um, I, I think the spiritual side of me, uh, you know, to the glory of God and, and through his spirit, wanted to um, just kind of shield the boy and, and get him home and let him know that somebody cares. The fleshly side of me wanted to affect the other three, okay? Um, just wanted to, you know, step into that situation. And, and, I, and I wonder if, if we actually saw that, you know, if you're at home and, and listen to this or in the theater, you know, if we were, if we were actually, um, you know, in the presence of something like that happening, uh, what we would do to affect the situation. Would we step in or would we kind of take this, um, this posture that a lot of people take today of, uh, that's not my job. Uh, that's not my business. That's not my place. And, and I wonder, or, or, or would we go, something needs to be done. This is uh, a wrong act being um, you know, carried out, and we need to step in and do something about it. And uh, just thinking through that, um, my, my thought you know, in, the, in the movie looking at it is just, I want to defend the defenseless. Uh, I don't know how many of you are like me when I watch movies or TV shows. It's tough for me personally uh, when I watch um, one person get jumped by multiple people and they're on the ground and the people are just kicking or hitting or anything. And it's, again, it's fiction. It's, you know, just a show, but it's like, you, you ask my wife a lot of times, you know, the words just kind of escape my mouth where I'm like, man, aren't they tough? You know, aren't they just such big men uh, to act in this way? And, uh, and I, there's just something in me that wants to defend the defenseless. And uh, so I, I want to read today just with that in mind, the idea of defending the defenseless. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 1. And uh, don't, don't check out on me here. We're going to read 27 verses together. Uh, we are going to read out of the ESV, so if yours is a little bit different, you know why. Ours, uh, we're reading out of the ESV, but um, 
But there's a very specific reason. We're going to read 27 verses out of Genesis chapter 1, um, verse 1 through 27, is we are looking into the account of creation. And, and there's very something very, very particular that we're going to key in on today. So if you would uh, follow along, Genesis 1. Uh, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. Verse 9, And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let, there, let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Father God, as we go into this time, I pray that I would just uh, speak boldly, Lord, without fear uh, for your truth, for your word. Um, Lord, just uh, speak to our hearts now through your spirit. I, I pray that you would just move in us, um, Lord, just 
continue to work holiness in us, uh, that we would be more and more sanctified each day as we follow you more and more and recognize who you are. Um, God, I pray that you just give me the words to say now that I would step to the back, that you would uh, be the center of attention. Jesus, that we would lift you up, that you would draw everyone to you. We love you and we thank you. And it's your name we pray. Amen. I want to key in on verse 26 again. uh, If you look at it, it says, and then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Uh, And it's actually uh, repeated in verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Um, When you look at all the other creative uh, acts that God did in that account, uh, 1 to 27, what you'll see is just God speaking it. Um, just saying, hey, we, here's planets, and um, here's stars, and, and here's animals, and here's light, and darkness, and land, and water, and, he, and he, he just speaks it. But then he gets to verse 26, he gets to the creation of man and woman, and what does it say that in, in the moment when he's creating man, he says, let us make man in our image, and he, he steps into uh, the mud and forms man out of the mud, and then uh, actually breathes into the man the breath of life, and uh, it's it's kind of it's awkward to read, but it's uh, it's it's a beautiful way that that Scripture puts it that he breathed into the nostrils the breath of life, and so we see just a difference in the creation of man than we do the creation of everything else. It's this moment, instead of just speaking it, he steps in and forms man, but he says that he will form him. In his image, God said, let's make him in our image. And there's a, a Latin phrase for that. And it's, uh, if you're not familiar with it, the, the phrase is the imago Dei. And what that means is in the image of God, the imago Dei. And, and we're going to really kind of lock in on that phrase. I'm just going to warn you, um, maybe we should have made a game out of it. I'm going to say that phrase a lot today. Uh, so you just have to, if you kind of toward the end of the, the time together today, if you're like, oh, man, I'd really wish he'd quit saying that, you've been warned, okay? So Imago Day, when we think about that, um, the video probably gave it away a little bit. Uh, this Friday marks 48 years since the decision known as Roe versus Wade that legalized abortion in our country. And just just so we didn't really advertise that we were going to be touching on this today, um, just because I have a fear of two ways people can take this is, hey, um, I think abortion should be legal, so I'm not going to listen. Or, hey, I know I stand against it, so I probably don't need to show up that day. Um, But what I want you to understand is I'm not going to sit up here and just tell you uh, why abortion's wrong. We're not going to talk about it. We are covering today the idea of Imago Dei in the image of God and understanding um, why that matters. And so uh, today is known as Sanctity of Life Sunday. I love the way, um, we'll we'll touch on it in a minute. This isn't anti-abortion Sunday. This is Sanctity of Life Sunday. And we will talk about what we mean. But, uh, But something we need to remember is the sanctity of life matters to us as the church because the sanctity of life matters to God. 
And because it matters to him, it should matter to us. It's not because it matters to us that it matters to God, but because it is important to the heart of God, it should be, the, it should be important to the heart of the church. And, and let me just help us understand why we know that it's important to God. Okay, first we see in the creative order what we just talked about, that, that difference in making man in his image and forming him and breathing life into him. It's just different than the rest of creation. But we continue to see it without scripture. And I know a lot of times when we think about the law, the Old Testament law, um, I don't know how many of you grew up the way I did, uh, but there's a lot of legalism, which means uh, people thinking, you know, and, and I'm just going to throw some things out there. Don't think I'm like trying to change bylaws of the church or anything, but, uh, but just the way people responded is, you know, men shouldn't have long hair and you didn't get tattoos and women should wear dresses, not pants. Um, you know, it, it's just kind of, uh, this whole idea of like legalism of, um, you know, I'll just say the phrase and you've probably heard it a lot. Um, you don't drink, cuss, smoke or chew or go with women that do. Has anybody heard that in the church before? Our pastor grew up uh, you know, that's kind of one of those lines he would just drop. And I think he thought it was like a little cute. And, um, but it, it's breeding in people, this idea of legalism that if I could just act the right way, then God will be pleased with me instead of um, recognizing that because God is pleased with me in Jesus, it changes my life. And so when you think about the Old Testament law, there's actually a little bit of drawback where we're like, we don't do that anymore. We don't need that anymore. But we need to understand that God reveals his character in the Old Testament law. He reveals who he is and what matters to him. And we see that if you want to turn over, it's just one verse, it'll be up on the screen. Um, Leviticus 23, 22. Um, This is in the midst of the law uh, that God has given to his people, the Jewish people, that this is how they they are to conduct themselves in life, even to the way that they would um, harvest their crops. Okay, and this is what he says in verse 22. And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, nor shall you gather the gleanings after you harvest. Now, just to help us understand what that means, um, you go up and down the rows, you are gathering in what has grown, but he says, leave the edges. Okay, there's a certain amount of space I want you to leave along the edges. And as you're moving, stuff drops behind you. Don't go back and pick it up, leave it. Okay, and this is why you can see he says, uh, you shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord, your God. And in this moment of the law where it's just like, man, he's even going to tell us how to pick my own food. uh, There's something revealed in the character of God that life matters to him, that um, even the marginalized, you think about the poor that are in their community, you're leaving the food for them. But then the sojourner is that stranger in the land uh, that you don't know that they need a way to be provided for too. He said, you're going to leave that for them as well. And so in the midst of even telling them how to harvest their crops, he is telling them life matters. That man and woman and child, mankind is made in my image, the Imago Dei, and that life matters. Sanctity of life. Life is sacred because it's sacred to God. It is sacred to us. 
Now, throughout the life of Jesus, and we're not going to go verse by verse, but just I want you to think about it. How many of you can remember um, the account of when the children were coming to Jesus and the disciples are like, you know, get away from here. You're, you're, you're going to bother him. Jesus has more important things to do. And what's Jesus's response? He says, no, no, no. You know, let them come to me. Let them. I want to spend time with them as well. And I get this picture. I think a lot of us have seen pictures where like Jesus is sitting on a rock and the kids are sitting around and he's telling a story. But I, I just feel like this massive game of tag broke out between Jesus and the kids and they're running around and playing and, and you know he is recognizing, listen, the Imago Dei in those children say, no, they matter as well. But then even further, um, one of the things that the religious elite really accused him of and came after him with is, why do you eat with sinners? Why are you in the presence of these impure people? And and. Jesus and just his actions is showing, hey, Imago Dei, they matter. They are made in the image of God and their life is sacred and therefore it is important to me. He is showing us this, but then even further shows it in a greater way. Um, the, the woman at the well, the Samaritan, a uh, very familiar story um, if you've been raised in church where the Samaritans were the outcasts. Okay, neither Gentile nor Jew, and so rejected by both, and, and really just kind of stuck in the middle where nobody wanted anything to do with them. And, and don't take offense to this. Don't look at this through uh, 21st century eyes, um, but uh, also a woman in that day where this man, a single man addressing this woman who's a stranger, even she said, hey, why are you talking to me as a woman and a Samaritan? You shouldn't be talking to me. And Jesus in his actions says, you are still created in the image of God. There is a Mago day on you and your life matters. And then even to the point where you have the sick that people didn't want to touch and Jesus is eating with them, healing them, touching them, being around them. Even the demon-possessed, the people would rather just allow them to live as outcasts in the graveyard, and he engages them as they engage him. And he doesn't just go, I don't have time to fool with you, but each life matters. And then listening to a teaching by Tim Keller this week that just really impacted me, the day of Pentecost, something I've never thought about, but in that moment when the tongues of fire are on that early church and they are speaking in tongues and there are people that are gathered in Jerusalem from all over the known world that speak different languages and they are hearing their language spoken. In that moment, God says the gospel is for everyone. There is no tribe, tongue, or language that is more important than the other. The gospel is to be preached in every language to every person. All those other things should not matter to us, what color they are, what nationality, what language they speak, um, or anything like that. And, and I never thought about that, but over and over and over throughout Scripture, we see the Imago Dei matters. The image bearers of God matter. And to, believe it or not, to move towards wrapping up this morning, it's like, oh, already? Just wait, I'll probably hit a rant here shortly, don't worry. Um, please take this with love. Please understand where this is coming from, okay? The Imago Dei is not a political issue. It is not a political issue, okay? 
Do we step into the realm of politics and government if given the opportunity to speak on behalf of the defenseless? Absolutely. That's why we showed the video. If you've not taken the time to go to themoralacry.com and sign the petition, millions upon millions of people have signed that petition to end abortion in the U.S. This we have the opportunity to be a voice for those that don't have a voice, but this is not a political issue. Listen, this is an Imago Day issue. The same way, and, and I know a lot of you are going to tune out as soon as I say this because we've been hit with this so hard. Racism is an Imago Day issue. And, and I know a lot of us want to just go, man, I've heard that so much this year. And every time something happens to somebody of color, you know, racism is cried out. So I'm just tired of hearing it. I don't want to think about that anymore. You know, but, but listen, racism is real, and it's an Imago Day issue. The same way, catch this, suicide is an Imago Day issue. It's an attack on the character of God, on the image of God, because what somebody in that moment, and please understand, I'm not trying to make this as simple as, you know, somebody with suicidal thoughts just needs to think happier. Please don't think I'm, I'm that naive, but I do want you to understand that when somebody is in that realm, then these thoughts going through them, those are thoughts from the enemy of God trying to convince that person that God has messed up in the making of that person. Suicide is an attack on the image of God. Genocide is an attack on the image of God. It is an Imago Dei issue where somebody steps in and goes, this particular group of people don't deserve to live because I think so. You know, the, the Holocaust was an Imago Dei issue. And then I, I learned a new word this year. I had to write it down so I would say it right. Senicide. Uh, that was the one I was trying to think of when I was at the Madeira's group. I couldn't think of this week. Senicide. There is this new idea that the elderly that can no longer contribute to society, let's just end their life for them because there's no purpose in their life anymore. That is an Imago Day issue. That is an attack on the image and character of God. I just want to share, has anybody seen those pictures? They, the pictures impact me. If you know me, I'm not the guy. And if you're the guy or the lady, like, like more power to you. I'm just not the guy that's going to like stare at a painting and just let it like wash over me. You know, it's just not me. I, I, I look at a painting, I'm like, that's uh, a tree. Um, and I can't do that. Like that's, that's what I get. But there's a, a, a set of photographs that have been released that um, impacted me when I saw it, and it's, um, it, it's from a, uh, a nursing home, an adult care facility, and it's an elderly woman, and she's standing looking in the mirror of the bathroom. Have y'all seen these? And, and the reflection is the younger her, and she's a nurse. And you're just like, she has a life story. She is still Imago Dei, marked by the image of God. And there's another one, it's an elderly gentleman standing there and his reflection is he was a soldier. It's like this man still has purpose and is not our call. The Imago Dei matters. These things are an attack on the image of God. In fact, about the sanctity of life, Russell Moore, if you're not familiar with him, um, don't agree with everything he says, but I really love this guy. And uh, if you ever get the chance to read his book, Onward, highly recommended by two out of two elders here at Grassroots Church. Um, and so we, we really uh, you know, encourage you to read that book. Um, but he is the head of the um, 
Religious uh, Ethics and Liberties Committee. It's something like that. I, R, R, L, dang it. I should have written it down. See, that's why you write stuff down. Um, but it's a Southern Baptist wing that talks about um, you know, ethics and religious liberties here in our nation, and he's the head of that. Um, and so talking about Sanctity of Life Sunday, he said this, uh, I have mixed feelings about this day. It reminds me we have to say things to one another that human beings shouldn't have to say. Mothers shouldn't kill their children. Fathers shouldn't abandon their babies. No human life is worthless regardless of skin color, age, disability, or economic status status. The very fact that these things must be proclaimed is a reminder of the horrors of this present darkness, and I hate it. The fact that we have a a Sunday dedicated to speak on behalf of unborn babies, um, it it shows the darkness of the day and the need for the church to stand for God's truth, his word, and the gospel, and to stand for the imago Dei, the defenseless, and the voiceless. And, and so looking at that, um, I, I want to uh, make sure that we understand something, okay? Uh, when we recognize all of human life as Imago Day, we will no longer, now please catch this, please catch this. I've been nervous for today not to say these things, but that people would as our, uh, I want to say dearly departed brother, he just moved, okay? He's not dead, he just moved. Uh, but John Michael Clark uh, used to say, don't hear what I'm not saying, okay? So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not copywriting that. I'm giving him the credit for saying, but don't hear what I'm not saying. I've been so afraid that people would uh, hear what I'm not saying today instead of hearing what I'm saying. But when we recognize all of human life as a Mago day, we will no longer be just anti-abortion, but we will be pro-life, okay? We will no longer be just anti-abortion. We will be pro-life. What does that mean? What does it mean to be pro-life? It's easy to understand what it means to be anti-abortion. You don't want there to be abortion. You don't want to kill unborn babies. But what does it mean to be pro-life? What it means to be pro-life is some of you are being called to be foster parents. Is that hard? Trust me. Absolutely. Two devils living in our house, right? I'm just kidding, boys. I'm just kidding. They know, listen, we've had great conversations with them. It has been a great, it's not even two months yet, but it just feels like, and please, I'm not saying it feels like so much longer. Like, it just feels like they've always been a part of our family. You know, it's a good feeling. We love having them with us, okay? Um, I think sometimes they don't love having Lincoln with us, but we love having them with us and part of uh, the Cherry family. And so, but is it hard? Yes. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Is fostering an Imago Day issue? 100%. And, and, I, and I said this last year, I want to say it again. When we talk about things like fostering or adopting, uh, we have heard, um, I, I did the research, and uh, a, a large portion of the reasons that people give for having abortions are, um, you know, very things like, I, I don't have time for this, I can't afford this, or this, um, this messes with the, the flow of my life right now, the plans for my life. And, and I think a lot of Christians will hear that and say, those are terrible reasons for having an abortion. But when I talk to people about fostering or adopting, guess what the reasons I hear? I can't afford this, I don't have time for this, or this doesn't work with the flow and plan of my life right now. We're, listen, Y'all know what the sins of omission and the sins of commission are, right? The sins of commission are the sins that we commit, the things we do. The sins of omission are the things that we should be doing that we don't do. 
And that's why scripture says, for him that knows to do right and does not do it, it is sin. Now, some of you, I'm not saying all of you, some of you are being called to be foster parents or adoptive parents. And you're fighting that because you don't have time for this. It's hard. You know, I can't afford this. But we're being called to this as the body of Christ. But guess what else? You can volunteer. Has anybody ever heard of CASA, C-A-S-A, CASA? These are court-appointed advocates for children in the foster care system. But guess what you get to do? And I hope, this, I hope this stirs your heart a little bit. You get to be their friend, and you get to be their voice in the midst of the chaos of life that's going on around them. You get to be in the court and speak for them and speak with them, and encourage them, and be in their life. Listen, if there's an Imago Day issue, this is one, and who better to be doing this than the very body of Christ? And I hope it stirs in you that, you know what? I can volunteer with CASA. I can be the voice for somebody who doesn't understand what they're going through right now. But what about this, you know, stepping into the lives of uh, women that would get pregnant, that they, they don't know what to do, where they just think instead of, uh, you know, having the baby and trying to, you know, go through the chaos of life, I'll end the baby's life. And in all honesty, sometimes they might just be thinking of it as merciful. But instead, church, why don't we step in and walk them through it and be with them and step into their lives? Like, we can do this. These are things that each one of us can do. Nobody in here is incapable of stepping into the life of somebody else and going, I'm here for you. There's no spiritual gift for that. It's just you are empowered by the Spirit to do it. Every single child of God. There's other things that we can get involved in. Here's real simple. Go to moralicry.com and sign the petition. Just put your name to it. You know, here at Grassroots, we do a thing called Bags for Kids, where kids going into foster care uh, get one of our bags that has a uh, stuffed animal. It might have pajamas for younger ones. It has a bottle and pacifiers. Uh, we put a Bible in each one of them. Um, you know, a lot of times there's what's called a car bag, which is just stickers and coloring, uh, you know, crayons and coloring book for the car ride over. You've got to understand a child that's been removed from their home and they're being, you know, escorted somewhere else, often by the police. Put yourself in the the shoes of a five-year-old. If you have children, think about your children having to go through that. That is hard to imagine. And so these bags bring comfort. These bags, listen, give them something that's theirs. They, They put it on. They wear it. They carry it. We dropped off. uh, We've got uh, somebody who's part of the covenant community here at Grassroots that uh, works at DHHR. And so a great connection for the church to, to speak into um, you know, what they do. But uh, we dropped off between 20 and 30 um, bags for kids this week uh, to bless the kids that are going into foster care and to, to speak into their lives that, listen, they are made in the image of their creator and their life matters. It's an Imago day issue. To wrap up, told you I'd get on a rant. To wrap up, we as the church, and I hope you hear this, we as the church can no longer stand from a distance shouting out that abortion's wrong. Because we've seen all the way through Scripture that life 
matters. Imago Dei, image of God. It is an image of God issue, what we've been talking about. But what better example do we carry with us than the very gospel that we put our faith in that Imago Dei matters because God didn't stay up in heaven screaming down to us that our sin is ugly and our sin is wrong and that we are cursed. He didn't just stay up there, but he stepped into the situation, living the life as Jesus, the Son of God, lived that we couldn't live for ourselves, dying the death that we deserve, paying the penalty of our rebellion, not his, our rebellion, paying the penalty for that and giving his life for us so that we can know him, that we can have a relationship with our creator God, that we can know that life matters to God. And listen, he stepped in and showed us what it means that you don't just stand from a distance and scream that it's wrong. Church, we are called to this. And I'm just going to say this boldly and lovingly today. There's nobody sitting in this room, listening at home, that'll watch this video no matter what. There's no child of God that's not called to this. There's not a single child of God going, that's not my gifting. God hasn't called me to that. No, we've all been called to Imago Day issues. We've all been called to it. Because... Imago Dei matters to God, therefore it matters to us. And just to wrap up, I'm going to say this. If you're, if you're in the room, if you're watching from home, if you're watching this video later on, and you've had an abortion, and the church has made you feel like you are less forgivable than others because of that, the grace of God and the mercy of God is greater than any sin we can ever come up with. And I ask your forgiveness on behalf of the church for making you feel that way. And we would love to hear your story. We would love to be a part of your life. We would love to share the gospel with you. We would love to let you know who Jesus is and what he's done for you. If you're listening or if you've whatever and you're thinking about an abortion, we'd love to talk to you. If you're struggling in your life because of your color, because of your economic status, because of your family history, because of your own history in life, that's an imago dish. We'd love to talk with you. We would love to as God did, step into the mud, forming man, as Jesus did, step into our lives on our behalf, we would love to step into your life with the gospel. We would love to walk through this with you. And church, I'm, I'm leaving us with this. First of all, if you disagree with anything I say today, please come talk to me. I'm not going to hide in my office all week and not be willing to talk to anybody. I'm not going to hide at home. I'm, I'm, I'm here. I know Adam's here too. We're, we're here to talk to. Talk to us. But I'm just going to be honest, and I'm, I'm, I'm including myself. Please don't think I'm just directing this at anybody out there. I'm including the church. We need to repent for our lack of involvement in the lives of people 
that have felt certain ways were their only ways. Certain paths were their only paths. We need to repent of yelling down from our ivory towers at the sin in people's lives instead of being willing, as Jesus did, to step into the lives. I need to repent. I need to ask God's forgiveness. This life is not about our comfort. It's about God's glory because we recognize as His children, as His sons and daughters, the comfort comes after this life in eternity with Him. That's when that eternal comfort, no more tears, no more sorrow. In this life, we will have sorrow. We will have tears. Will we be comforted by the Holy Spirit through it? Absolutely, but it's not what we're working towards. Comfort is not what we're working towards. God's glory in the building of his kingdom is what we're working towards. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you that we can take a day to recognize your, your creation matters. Lord, we repent. I repent uh, that I have uh, spent far too many years screaming from a distance that it's wrong and, and being... Um, quote-unquote, bold in the proclamation that it's wrong instead of in boldness stepping into the lives of those that are struggling uh, with any kind of Imago Day issue or speaking on behalf of those that can't speak for themselves uh, for not defending the defenseless to your glory. God, use me. Lord, use me in the lives of individuals and families. God, show me what I can do. Show me how I can lead others towards it. God, put us in contact with those that can, can step into lives, that we can be a part of that. Lord, use us as your church here at Grassroots. Lord, we don't want to be just another church that meets on Sundays and feels good about it. We want to be a church that speaks your gospel into a dark and dying world. We want to speak the life of your truth of your word into the lives of those that have never heard it, Lord. We want to stand for those that can't stand for themselves. On your behalf, God, as your body, as your hands and feet, use us, use us as your voice, Lord as we proclaim your truth and your love. Lord, I pray that you would stir in each and every one of our hearts. God, do not allow us to believe the lie of the enemy that this isn't my problem. This isn't my job. God, give us courage because it's scary and it's hard. But give us courage. Lord, that we would be shaken out of our easy chairs that we'd be drug away from our smartphones, that would be ripped away from our schedules, that we would be awakened from our comfort. Lord, that your church would be your church. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.